Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Debuted in TNA years ago. 
Uh, well, you know what it really was? I mean, I was at TNA for a tryout, and uh, Pat Kenny, who used to be Simon Diamond, who was an agent for TNA, was he was a good friend of mine from when I first started wrestling. We lived close to each other, and we were hanging out, eating together, and Vince Russo walked by, and Pat yells to him and goes, hey, Vince, you wanted to do a Jersey Shore character, and pointed to me and goes, this guy's from Jersey. And he looked at me, and he goes, can you get a girl? And I was like, yeah, even though at the time I couldn't, they ended up getting cookie. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, yeah, you know. And uh, then they whispered something to each other, and then they, that day, literally, were like, okay, we're going to put you in a match, spike your hair up, and just, you know, become a Jersey Shore guy. Like, I hadn't done, obviously, I'm from Jersey, and it was similar to who I was anyway, mm-hmm. but I had never done any character like that previous, that day. I only had a few hours to prepare for it, so it's pretty crazy. <laughs> wow, yeah, that is absolutely so did you even know Cookie in the Indies at all before your TNA uh, partnership? Uh, very little. Like, some shows together, like, a few years prior to that. But I hadn't seen her in years. And uh, I was there for my match. They liked me. It worked out great. I wrestled a guy named Bobby Fish. We had a great match. And then um, they literally they were looking at him. And then right when I came to the curtain, they had me do a promo, like, right away in my face. Like, hey, you know. And I nailed it, and then they offered me a job right then and there. And then a month or two later, they brought me back for another dark match. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, when they brought her in that day, so that was the first time I'd seen her in years. I guess they just wanted to try us out together, and that worked too. But no, I didn't. I didn't know her well. Wow, wow, that's that's very very interesting. And y'all two worked out very well uh, together. She was uh, very very much on the heel side. And uh, she uh, definitely was uh, one of those people um, who uh, was um, a very, very good person uh, to work with. It was, it was very, very awesome. Um, so basically, uh, what happened with um, uh, just her leaving? Was it a matter of you just kind of breaking off yourself? Um, well, you say she was great to watch, and maybe that was great for you, but behind the scenes... Without going into too descriptive detail, she just, you know, wrestling's fun and wrestling's games, but at the end of the day, it's still a job, and you got to be able to differentiate, is that the right word, uh, between the two, and she just, she wasn't mature enough for the job and didn't know how to handle herself and take it seriously, and, yeah. I, you know, she kind of just did it to herself, you know, she did it to herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you... You, 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 both of you play very, very good heels uh, on on camera. Um, but you know, it, it's just one of those things that I, I guess I'd call myself an insider now. And, and it's when, when I see someone written off or not there anymore after being there for a short time, it kind of, you know, I kind of get the alert that, oh uh, yeah, you probably weren't uh, very handy backstage, you know, as much as you kind of are on screen so uh, that's what I kind of picked up as well so I definitely can see where you're coming from there uh, so what type of indie yeah, work did kind you of, uh, go ahead oh no I was gonna, just going to say I kind of uh, consider her to be like the devil uh, oh. that's all <laughs> <laughs> yikes was it I mean was it just like not getting along with people backstage was it not not going well, I mean was it not listening to any advice given to her or what how, how, how did what was the issue? You well, everything you just said for sure. And I mm-hmm. just, you know, thinking she was the star of the show and that, you know, she was untouchable and she was this big star and it just oh, wasn't the case. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah. Well, 
you know, usually people who think like that, they'll back it up uh, and ends up uh, working uh, very, very um, uh, indie shows that people really don't know about or <laughs> somewhere uh, at some, you know, nine to five that they can't stand. So uh, it's unfortunate that she, uh, that she thinks that she thought about that. So what type of indie work did you have leading up to TNA? Uh, I was doing it. I, well, I started when I was 16 pro wrestling. My first match was on my 17th birthday. And then I started with TNA when I was 26. Mm-hmm. So I was wrestling for almost 10 years, for almost 10 years all around the North before I uh, signed with TNA. Wow. So I have a lot of prior experience. Wow. That, yeah, that's, that's yeah, very incredible. <laughs> it very much is. Yeah, um, now, now I'm 32, mm-hmm. and I started when I was 16. So when you say that loud, I've been wrestling half my half life. Half your life, that's yeah. That's the first thing I thought about. Yeah, half your life. Uh, very interesting. So those 10 years uh, working in the Indies, um, well, the 10 years before you came to TNA, um, what exactly did you like? What was your favorite match uh, as far as someone like an indie, like a star person who's very noti- notable? Like you said, you wrestled a dark match against Bobby Fish while you were in TNA. Now, of course, you know, many many who watch wrestling know that he's the ROH TV champion now, and he's really has some success now. Uh, what other names do you recall uh, going against in the indies that are, you know, reputable names now? Um, well, God, I mean, we could talk forever, probably it goes on and on and on if guys who became stars or guys who were stars. But, I mean, to be honest, as far as one match that, like, sticks out, it's, it's even now when people ask me my favorite match or it's just so hard because there's so many and I like so many different things for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. So it's just hard to pick out one that, like, sticks out, you know what I'm saying, is yeah. more memorable than the other because there's so many that are important to me. Yeah. Um, so at the time back, I really, that's, I'd have to like really go into deep thought about that question because there's so many matches that probably right now I'm not even remembering that I'd have to think about because not one comes to mind, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had a, a moment in WWE 10 years back. Uh, how did that come about and how was that experience? Uh, which one do you mean? Because I, I did a lot of extra work for WWE, so I've, I've, I've been a, been a bunch of matches and backstage segments. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember a couple of backstage segments. And what, uh, what dark matches do you remember from, from WWE? Um, well, I did matches on SmackDown versus Matt Morgan versus Mark Henry, ECW versus Kofi Kingston. I was the guy that got beat up by Edge when he was dressed up like Ric Flair, which is one of Raw's greatest moments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, some, and then, you know, there was a bunch of dark matches on Downing and Sticks and the Heartthrobs. And, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, just, I did work for them for years. Mm-hmm. So why was it that uh, they never, you know, capitalized on your extra work? Well, you know what it is? I think a lot of which not just WWE, but wrestling in general, proving, you know, even in TNA, how I got my job, that it's a lot of right place, right time. And I just don't think it was the right place, right time, you know? Yeah. They're always changing. The, you know, now they're into smaller guys. When they were looking at me, their thing was big guys. And I, I don't think it's that they didn't like me or appreciate me. I just don't think it was the right place, right yeah. time. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've interviewed many, many people on my show, and, and a lot of people – 
I mean, as you really the common thread of people saying that just not, you know, right place and right time. And, you know, as we were talking about with TNA, you've really honed, you know, a gimmick, a, a character that's lasted, you know, for, for so long. Um, how was it, you know, wrestling with TNA uh, in the big beginning of your tenure? Was it something that you were nervous about or something that you felt confident because you've been uh, wrestling in the Indies for so long? Um well, I knew a lot of the guys, so that made me more, you know, comfortable. And I had been wrestling on the Indies long, and I knew I was ready for a break somewhere. So that definitely gave me confidence. But still, you know, it's your first time working hard cameras, your first time on live television. Mm-hmm. You know, my debut was on live television yeah. on a special Thursday night episode of Impact on Spike. So, you know, it was it was still nerve-wracking, and I had a lot to learn, and I knew that. So I was humble to be there and just, you know, willing to learn. Yeah. Nervous, excited, you know, all normal feelings for anybody. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of break, uh, it didn't take you long after your debut to uh, have a feud with uh, Jay Lethal, and he's uh, one of the greatest. He he calls himself the greatest first-generation wrestler, and uh, you defeated that great first-generation wrestler for the X Division Championship. How was that? Um, You know, your character was getting pretty over as a heel. You were getting a lot of heat. So they decided to uh, put the belt on you. How did that come about? Uh, I think just go big or go home. You know, I went right to Lethal to feud with him, and it worked out great. We had we had wrestled each other many many times, and you know had feuds all over New Jersey and New York and Pennsylvania. He was from my area, so I think it was just the writing was on the wall was there for for it to be Jersey mm-hmm. versus Jersey. I mean, it was set stone already. So feud worked out perfect, and we worked together so well. Yeah. But yeah, I won my exhibition title like my what third second match in TNA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> third, third match, third match, please. Yeah. Yeah, very, very interesting. That's uh, I mean, talk about you know them investing in your character. That that was uh, like you said, go big or go home for sure. So you know you had a pretty you know successful cruiserweight division and your character was getting over. They decided to team you up with uh, Jesse Goddard's down the line. Uh, was it just a matter of just creative not really having too much for you both? Uh, and then Jesse was a good fit. Uh, how, how did that team come about? Um, well, first it was actually after Cookie, was, I was with Rob Terry. And, yep. and uh, you know, we kind of turned into Big Rob and Bigger Rob. We both exactly. were, were matching sweaters. And we had the list and yep. the <laughs> rope and all that stuff, which I think that was kind of a – uh, two guys are kind of just lingering. Let's put them together. They have the same name, and we actually made it into something pretty cool. Yeah, it was a, a uh, well. Yeah, as for me and Jesse, I think it was just we kind of saw that me and Jesse were similar, and we like hung out backstage. We were kind of like the same person, so I think they kind of just said these guys belong together. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> Britain itself. So you know, they tried us out together, and again, same thing. We worked so well together, it just stuck. Yeah, romance are like. Uh, Inseparable. The, the the big Rob, bigger Rob. You uh, that that tandem was actually pretty funny. I thought it was really interesting to see Rob Terry in that type of role. It was, it, 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 but it worked though. I thought it was. Uh, I thought you guys got over pretty well. Uh, but bromance. I mean, like you yeah, said. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I'm the Rob Terry. If I could go back 
I have video footage of the day I went up to him with a pink sweater and handed it to him, and I told him he's going to wear this and he's going to match my sweater. If you could see the look in his face, it was priceless. <laughs> man, yeah, those things, those candid, those candid gestures, man, are really priceless. Uh, that would have been really interesting to film. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the bromance uh, end up being, you know, tag team champions end up getting very, very much over. But for some reason, TNA decided to split them up. Was it just a matter of, uh, well, uh, well, and you guys are back together, but you guys split up. Um, what was the cause of the split up? Was it just trying to test the waters on both of your gimmicks? Because I remember you, you, you guys were doing the baby face thing for a while, and then uh, Jesse became more of an Adonis figure, and he was trying to be this mean, aggressive heel while you were, you know, kind of, kind of really – trying to get your traction as a singles baby face where they're just trying to test the waters and try something different? Yeah, I mean, I think in 2016, you want to keep things moving and changing and trying new things out to see what works the best. And knowing that you could always go back to the bromance, I think it was just uh, yeah, trying. We were just trying to try to do our thing as singles wrestlers. I think it both broke us out a little bit more and strengthened strengthened us as singles competitors. And that's why now I think back as the bromance, we're better than ever. Yeah. But I think it was good for everyone involved, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so was it just a matter as far as your getting back together? Was this a matter of saying, "Hey, well, we tried it out. You know, it's better to say that we did it and know that it wasn't necessarily successful." Then to keep thinking what happens, you know, if they split up, was it just a matter of them saying, okay, well, we did it now. They fit better together and let's reform them. Yeah, no, yeah. And me and Jesse, I think the single thing worked for us, but I think later on, maybe in a few years to come, we will be more prepared. I think it was a little test and I think we'll be a little more prepared in years to come when we're a little older mm-hmm. and a, even a little more experienced than we already are. And um, yeah, so I think we said, let's go back. Let's try being bromance as fan favorites, become three time tag champs and see what happens. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, fan favorites, you have uh, a, a, uh, a commodity, which, which would definitely, uh, and has definitely helped uh, your fan, uh, your uh, fanfare, uh, which is Raquel. Uh, so, you know, no for Cookie, but is Raquel, you, you, have you guys found out that you work well with her, and how, how's the relationship uh, going? Uh, she's Raquel's cool. She's, uh, I mean, she's very new to pro wrestling, and she yeah. knows that, and she's willing to learn and wants to learn. And when she's at home, she's training during the week to get better and better and better, and she's got some um, – background in fighting and MMA and stuff. So she brings stuff to the table, but yet she also knows that she's inexperienced and she wants to get better and wants to learn. So her as our guru is a good thing and she's, you know, she's a looker so she's helping, you know, distract some some of our opponents, so it's working out good. Yeah, absolutely. So it was an interesting pairing because I remember she came in and was trying to kind of lure Bobby Lashley initially uh, and then that kind of dropped away and then uh, she she became um, your, your like you said your guru and it's been working it's a it's a very interesting pairing um, but it but it kind of it kind of balances out the dynamics she's more of a you know um, like you said of a guru type of person while you know you and Jesse are the partiers speaking of the partiers you had a uh, you, you were also affiliated with someone who was uh, DJ Z 
now. It seemed like he fit perfectly with you starting off as the DJ introducing you all. Uh, you, you were all still playing the heel role. Um, but, you know, it, it seemed like it was a pretty good pairing. But it seemed like it was short-lived. Why, why, was, that, uh, why was that the case? Uh, well, same, you know, when the bromance broke up, you know, DJZ just broke up along the way. And, you know, we're still boys with him. DJZ is one of my best friends in and outside of the ring. And, you know, we always root each other on. I just think now he's kind of doing doing his own thing in the X Division and showing it, doing all his lucha wrestling. And, you know, again, we're, we're still boys and there's still a place for him with the bromance if we ever need him there. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he won a number one contender X Division uh, title. Uh, match uh, not too long ago, so he might bring some gold over uh, to the Bromans. And you, like you said, you're looking to become three-time tag team champion. So, uh, you know, three people with some gold, maybe that'll be a very good formation. Uh, so, yeah, speaking of uh, yeah, speak, speaking of uh, just kind of a reset button, uh, Impact Wrestling just recently moved to Thursdays. Uh, so, is it a? Can you tell the transition uh, because? Sometimes you know Impact is known to be bouncing uh, with different different days. Uh, do you do you feel home on Thursdays? I know you guys have tapings and everything, but how do you think Thursdays uh, compare to uh, just as far as a, a wrestling week? Because it may be a good thing because you have Raw on Monday and Tuesdays. From a television standpoint, you have a break. Of course, you have NXT and the Cruiserweight Classic now, but that's on the network. But from a television standpoint, there is a day break, so it's not just an overload of wrestling. So it seems like Thursdays may, may work well for you all. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good night for TV. When you think of Thursday, you think of wrestling. At least I do. I feel like when I was growing up, there was always wrestling on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a good night, and it's a good new time. We were on 9 to 11. Now we're on 8 to 10. So little kids that have to go to bed early and stuff, now they can watch it because it starts a little earlier. And if you're a wrestling fan, like you said, there's wrestling pretty much on every night, so it's an exciting time. You get to watch everything. I'd, yeah, absolutely. I wish there was wrestling on every night. When I was, when I was growing up, I wish there was wrestling on every night. <laughs> yeah, I'd be glued every single day. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. How, how would you, in short, how would you, um, how, how would you say this, or how would you kind of label your overall takeaway from the amazing race experience that you had? Um, just, you know, obviously I wish I did it with a different partner, but, <laughs> but um, it, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's once in a lifetime. It's not even once in a lifetime. Most people will never get to do anything like that. It was just wild. Yeah. You know, you live out of a backpack. You're traveling all these places. It's surreal. It just goes so quick. I'm proud that I made it all the way to the finals. And when I say I, I mean I made it all the way to the finals. And, um, you know, I did well on the show. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's no way to describe, man. It really was wild. Yeah. So are your relationship uh, still amicable at all? Because I know that she's expecting, if I'm not mistaken. Are you dating anyone in the wrestling uh, field now? I am, I am actually married, and I, my wife has twins on the way. Oh yeah, that's right. I, did, yeah. I think I did see that. I think I, think I saw that on Twitter not too long ago. Yeah, congratulations. That's right. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, actually, yeah, we're uh, in October. The twins will be born. Two boys, too many bromance. So that's pretty crazy. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I got married. We got married last August, and um, it's gonna change my world. I'm a kid, but I'm super excited. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have two boys, uh, almost four and one and a half. Uh, but to have them at the same time is a is a different animal for sure. So, uh, congratulations yeah. uh, for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, what are your biggest expectations? Like I said, you moved on Thursdays, and uh, you talked about three-time tag team champions. What are just some end-of-year goals for the Bromans? Well, definitely to be three-time tag champions. And then just, you know, eventually to keep doing our thing, to keep getting the crowd behind us and let them seeing this different side of us showing that we actually could wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, like I said, in years to come, we both do want to become single competitors again at some point. And, you know, I'm a former tag champ, exhibition champ, and television champ. I would love to be a world champ and, you know, uh, say I've held every title and be on the short list of Grand Slam champions. Hopefully that'll happen. Very much so. Robbie, where can we find you? Uh, Instagram and Twitter at Robbie E Impact, and then my website Robbie-E.com, and then of course ImpactWrestling.com for all kinds of info there. Fantastic! Thank you so much, Robbie. Pleasure having you tonight. All right, thanks, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Robbie E interview. Thank you so much, Robbie for being a part of the Pancakes and Power Slam show episode 228 tonight. And just like I said, he asked why, you know, he was the 228th pick. Hey, listen, uh, uh, what's his name uh, from the Pats? I don't like the Pats, so that's the reason why. I <laughs> Brady, Tom Brady, yeah. He was uh, like a fourth-round pick from Michigan, another team that I despise being an Ohioan. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, arguably the greatest uh, quarterback of all time. So, uh, kudos to Rob E. Without further ado, we have a lot to talk about tonight. And uh, we are going to, we're continuing the guest host series. I've, I've loved it. And I thank you so much. I, I choose the best. And this guy is one of the best. He is, uh, has one of the best websites going on today in the nation, Wrestling Inc. Founder. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce the guest co-host for tonight, Raj Geary. How are you tonight, sir? Hey, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How's the day going? It's busy. These uh, Mondays and Tuesdays can be killer now with SmackDown being live, but uh, yeah, at least there's no pay-per-view this week. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You got a couple more weeks for that. So, All right. Without further ado, let's get to the headlines. Here we go. All right, so let's start off with the takeaways from last week's Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, it was the last first round uh, Cruiserweight Classic. What were your takeaways, Raj? Uh, you know, I thought I thought uh, you know, obviously Johnny Gargano uh, versus uh, Tommaso Ciampa was uh, the big match, and I thought that delivered. I thought it was uh, I thought it was one of the better shows that they've had. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I definitely think it was one of the better shows. Uh, I think all of them was, were fantastic, have been fantastic. Uh, but there's something about this show that just the, the quality of work was really awesome. I, I follow Witchron, you know, even in the indies and, of course, his appearances on NXT. But there's a gimmick that's coming with him now. And, um, you know, man, you know, can you handle this? That was that's a T-shirt waiting to happen. And I was definitely, yeah, uh, yeah I was, I was definitely, I, I thought he did, I thought he really stole the night. I mean, the, the Gargano Ciampa match was fantastic, but uh, from a character standpoint, Swan, he stole the night. The fans were so into him. 
and uh, you know he's a little seasoned too he's he's got some experience in nxt um you know he's been there for a little bit so uh, he's got a little bit of a heads up that he, he doesn't need to fight to impress as much he can be a little more loose i think uh whereas the other guys or some of the other guys at least uh you know are definitely you know trying to you know, they're a little nervous and trying to make an impact so they could get a contract. But um, yeah. I think Rich Swan's a star, you know. I, I, oh, I yeah. think he, he could be a star of this cruiserweight division. Absolutely. Next, we have uh, Ryback officially announcing his departure from WWE. And of course, WWE writing a statement confirming. I mean, this was basically indelible. This is waiting to happen. I'm just wondering why they just never managed to renegotiate anything. They just kind of fell out and just kind of uh, they both kind of were at the point where this was just inevitable. We're not even trying to negotiate anything. I wonder why it was so, why it was such a standstill and nothing came about. Now he's doing some indie work and he's known as the big guy. So it's very interesting to see him go. Yeah. I mean, the guy, um, he had a ton of potential. He worked hard. Uh, you know, he had a superstar look. Uh, he was just booked badly. Uh, I mean, he was, you know, he, he's, he was obviously uh, not always great in the ring either. And, you know, he obviously hurt a lot of people during his time. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, he was always trying. And um, I remember uh, asking him on a conference call uh, when, when SmackDown was moving to the USA Network, uh, you know, just about his status in the company. And he was talking about, you know, he, he wanted to pitch some ideas to Vince McMahon for WrestleMania and he was all excited and, you know, he ends up on the pre-show. So uh-huh. I, I think it was just, it's just one of those cases where they're, they're far apart on money was one thing. And, you know, you saw Ryback's blog where he pretty much said that everyone should make the same, um, which, you know, it's ridiculous, but he, he made a, a lot of good points in that blog uh-huh. in, in the sense that, you could be the hardest worker. Someone like Damien Sandow, you can do everything right and get yourself over. But if creative messes with you, that hurts your pocketbook, that hurts your career. And I felt like that's what happened with Ryback. You know, as he got better, uh, you know, the creative just wasn't there. And, and just whenever he, he was kind of like uh, Dolph Ziggler, uh, where whenever he'd start to get ahead of steam, they'd kind of, you know, chop his uh, feet out from under him. So, um, you know, Ziggler now uh, is, is getting a, a break. We'll see how long it lasts, but um, yeah, so it, 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 it's too bad, but uh, you know, I think he's the kind of guy they'd love in new Japan. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think new Japan will work for him. ROH, not so much. I don't think, uh, cause ROH isn't, it, it, it's, it's a character heavy promotion, but you kind of have to have athleticism with your character. That's pretty much, what I think about when I think of ROH TNA, uh, I mean, you know, that's uh, it really coming to TNA to me, at least uh, it's not really a big shocker anymore as much as it used to be. Um, I'm a big fan of Moose. I've had him on my show and um, you know, just him being there to me and his debut. I mean, he kept the same music, but it really didn't wow me at all. Yeah, I mean, TNA is just in that spot right now where if they need something, whether it's a change of ownership or just some sort of spark to to get that funk of a dying promotion off of them. You know, regardless, I mean, whether, you know, you want to believe them or not, it, it feels like it's a promotion in trouble. 
Um, oh yeah. And, and that, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's hanging on by a thread and it's hard to get, uh, you know, it's hard to get the talent, you know, uh, motivated to go there when that's the impression that you have. So, yeah. um, I mean, they're, they're in a lot of trouble. Really, um, really the only viable place to go right now is New Japan. Yeah, I agree. If, if there's one person that you would, from anywhere, from New Japan, from WWE, from ROH, if there's one person that you think would be able to save the company, who would it be right now? TNA? Yeah, save oh, TNA. Oh, man. Uh, John Cena? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, with even that, you know, just their their business model where they're at, uh, they they just don't have a the you know a, a steady revenue stream. I mean, you look at their mm. website; it, it's it's like it has an eight dollar budget per month. Um, it just it just doesn't feel like a professional company, and and yeah. that's just I just don't see how that's going to change. Uh, and they don't have the money to get someone uh, a, a talent to shake things up. So it it's it's just a. Uh, I think it would require an ownership change, someone with deep pockets uh, that's willing to really turn things around. But, you know, pro wrestling, it's, it's so, it's so dominated now by WWE. I mean, it's Mm. it's beyond anything we've seen, you know, WCW, NWA, they were always, you know, doing millions of viewers a week, even when WWF was, you know, uh, growing crazy in the late eighties. You don't see that now. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think organizations like New Japan and ROH, I think that they're good because ROH is more of a pocket company. You know, they know their niche and they're not, you know, they're not really vying to reach out, you know, millions and millions of people. I mean, of course, there will be their desire, they'll you know, they help their ratings, but they know who to cater to. And, and they, you know, the, the infectious crowd, uh, you know, the, the smaller crowds, the smaller venues, I mean, they, they do very, very well. I've been in many ROA shows, and they do very, very well. They pack the place up every time. Uh, New Japan, I mean, they're a different country. They're, they're solidifying their brand in Japan uh, to be kind of like a, 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 a mirror of the WWE. You know, they've been around for quite some time now. TNA is still kind of like that limbo. I don't see much of an identity with TNA. I mean, everybody has their niches. Even the independents have their niches, but TNA, I mean, unfortunately, I don't, I don't see anything. Next, we have uh, Shelton Benjamin suffering from a torn rotator cuff. Of course, we saw on SmackDown a couple weeks ago some vignettes of him coming back, but of course, that's going to be on hold because he's going to have surgery. Now, my question to you, Raj, is that is this going to basically, is this hold for Shelton Benjamin going to change some minds as far as his return? Yeah, I mean, his return is definitely not a, you know, it's, it's not a definite now at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was it's something there, they've been trying to get a bunch of older talent um, just to kind of fill the rosters up. It's not like they're really looking to do anything with them. And yeah, I mean, you see it with Jinder Mahal, you know, he returned last week and he's already gotten beaten on Superstars and main event this week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's just, it, it's not like they had real plans for these guys or, uh, you know, a you know, a big, uh, a big return in place, you know, at least, I mean, Shelton, he was getting a video package and everything. And he, he's a, he's a talented guy that they could do a lot with, mm-hmm. but, 
you know, you never know how he'll heal. He's in his forties now. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's too bad. Cause I was hoping to see him get one last run. Cause his, uh, his run in new Japan wasn't that impressive. Yeah, it wasn't that impressive, but, um, when he was a Noah, when he was a part of a Suzuki gun, it wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, new Japan wasn't, wasn't very good when he was with, uh, MVP. Um, I forgot their names. Uh, I forgot their tag name, but, um, yeah, so I, you know, it, it's one of those things with Shelton Benjamin, like, like you said, like you were alluding to, you know, he's, he would have another run, you know, I don't see anything exciting coming out of Benjamin in the WWE, of course, some, some great mid card matches, but, you know, he wasn't going to be anyone, uh, premier, you know, uh, name in the WWE, but he definitely was going to put together some good matches, uh, possibly put over some good people. Um, I wish I don't know I don't know if you've heard anything, but what's the status of WWE and RVD? Because I really want to see RVD put over Baron Corbin. <laughs> um, I haven't heard anything. I'm sure they've contacted him. Uh, yeah. I just don't think he he wants to do the schedule. He, they've contacted a lot of guys, and it's been uh, it's pretty amazing how many people have been turning them down. Uh, you know, just I think when you're in your 40s or, you know, uh, and, and you've been living your life, you have jobs or whatever. And uh, to go back on the road, you know, four days a week or, you know, sometimes five days a week and, and be away from your family. And, and you know, it's, it's a big change, especially if it's not going to be a, a main event push. And it's just kind of, you know, for, for not that much money. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you, you saw how RVD was used his last couple times. Uh, it's not like they did anything special with him. I always felt he was badly booked. I felt like when you got a big star returning, uh, you don't just immediately start having him get beaten by, you know, everybody. You, know, mm-hmm. you should have them win a feud or two when they first come back and then eventually lose, you know, get, get ahead of steam and then lose to somebody and put that guy over and, you know, get dominated by somebody and really put that, that new star over and then, and then go out. I, I totally agree with that. You know, I, I, I say this all the time on my show and, and just everywhere when it comes to wrestling, you know, in order to put someone over, you have to have enough steam or enough heat. And, you know, you can't, and that's why I can't stand this 50-50 booking. And we'll talk about that with Raw and SmackDown. But I just can't stand 50-50 booking situations of anyone. If if you really want someone to be utilized to put someone over, and this person keeps losing and lost, you know, three of the last six matches, how is how is this person effectively putting someone over if there's not enough steam, you know, behind that one person to make them relevant? I mean, look look at you see the same thing with Baron Corbin now. I mean, you know, before Ziggler and Corbin feuded for three months. You know, Ziggler was winning here, losing twice, winning there, losing twice, winning twice, losing three times, losing once. And there wasn't enough steam to really put Baron Corbin over, as you've seen. I mean, with the lengthy feud, Baron Corbin is still relatively unknown and underutilized and not a big name. And now they're throwing Kalisto at him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just that just shows the lack of planning and and. It's like they're forgetting how to build stars, um, yeah. you know, with Roman Reigns, instead of giving him, you know, like what they're doing now, kind of putting him in the U.S. title level and then putting him in the world title level, you know, just throwing him right into the world title level. Um, 
you know, it, fans don't react to that. Even, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, you know, had Macho Man first winning Intercontinental title, then going mm-hmm. on to the world title, Ultimate Warrior. I mean, that was how you built guys. You don't just randomly winning Battle Royals, then jobbing to Dolph Ziggler, then winning and then doing nothing. It, it's just not how you build stars. And yeah. I think they, they, they just lose, lose touch with that. Yeah, I wrote an article on Bleacher Report two years ago, interestingly enough, about how Roman Reigns, how about how Rusev should be utilized for Roman Reigns' ascension. It's interesting that it's materializing now, but one of the things that I talked about the most was just the the essence and the uh, benefit of the mid-card journey. I mean, if we see, you know, if we see the best of all time, uh, most of them had a mid-card title. If you think of Ric Flair, he was U.S. champ. You know, he uh, feuding with Ricky Steamboat and Roddy Piper uh, before he became world champ. If you think of Savage, you know, he was Intercontinental champion. If you think of Rock, he was Intercontinental champ. Austin was Intercontinental champ. Triple H was Intercontinental champ. So, I mean, other than – with the exception of maybe Hogan and Taker, um, just about every single person who you can who you consider the top echelon, even Dusty Rose was U.S. champ. Everybody, just about everybody who can you consider from from whatever NWA, WCW, WWE, just about every single person who's considered the top echelon of wrestlers of all time started with a mid card title be, before they got that big moment as world champ. Yeah, and it just tells you, you know, it tells management too a lot about the talent, you know, how they'll handle it, you know, how they're doing as champ, and um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a, a no-brainer way to, to build guys up. And I think already with Roman, you're seeing it working to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, you know, he's getting cheers, you know, back. He's still getting booed, but not as bad as he was, you know, a month ago. Um, and I, I could see, you know, it, it's hard for Roman right now to change the public opinion because now it's kind of in people's heads that they're supposed to not like this guy. Mm-hmm. Um And that's where I think a heel turn would would benefit him, Uh, you know, and I again, I don't blame Roman. I think it's WWE's booking to to blame. But um, because I think he's been doing great, you know, in the ring and he's got the presence and everything. Um, But anyway, I digress. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're making some good points there. Um, Then we got we got the rock endorsing Ricochet. I'm going to quote uh, what he said as part of his. uh, lengthy message from Instagram. He said, I'm honored to be your inspiration as you go down that long, hard road for success. Remember these important things. Always stay above the garbage of backstage politics and always give the audience what they want. Whether you're a heel or babyface, going over or doing a job, doesn't matter. Always give them what they want. And most important, have fun. Wish you all the success in the world, brother, and hope you become a big star in our business. I mean, Wow. I mean, <laughs> Ricochet has been uh, one of the most popular people uh, of the year from his, uh, you know, match with uh, Will Osprey and um, just, you know, his junior tag uh, runs with uh, Matt Seidel and just the, the success that he's doing in Japan. And I actually interviewed him uh, on my show last uh, last year, and he was, talk- he was talking about how, uh, you know, he was privileged to, to be such a big fan of The Rock. So this hits me personally as far as conversing with him and, and just – understanding and feeling the zeal that he had uh, when we were discussing that and to have the rock actually endorse him 
with a lengthy message like that, that that's a big deal. That's a, that's a huge thing to, to really rub, you know, that's a huge rub and that's a, that's a really big uh, sign for, for Ricochet. And it's just such a, uh, a cool thing for the rock to do, you know, with mm-hmm. all the stuff he's got going on and, you know, for him to take the time out and post that, you know, I mean, you know, most of his social media posts are promoting his movies or these gigantic product projects that right. he's on. And, and, yep. and he's being followed by millions of people that are, you know, so many that aren't wrestling fans and to be putting something out there, you know, praising an up and coming talent uh, that a lot of the people that are following him don't know who that is. It, it's, you know, such a cool thing for him to do. And uh, mm. yeah, just a class act. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, like you said, I mean, in, in spite of all all the other endeavors that he has, you know, he spent time to do that. Actually, uh, him, Ricochet and I actually chatted back and forth today. We're texting uh, to to get back on my show again, and I really want to talk to him about that as far as just how he feels. And I'm sure that uh, you know he he felt quite quite pleased uh, for that endorsement. And next we have uh, Conor, Conor McGregor. He rips the WWE. He posts a, a very um, – he, he posts a tweet with a lot of expletives in it, and then he follows the tweet by saying, that, no disrespect, no, but he slapped the head off your entire roster, talking about the WWE. Now, you know, there's reports, um, and, you know, I'm sure you've reported most stuff, and there's other reports talking about um, – uh, the rest of us are talking about how it's not a work and it's actually the, the opposite. It may, it may blow a deal that the WWE and UFC, you know, could be talking right now, but what's the point of it? I mean, what's the point of uh, Conor? I mean, you know, I know that you follow MMA very well and I follow MMA um, to a intermediate to expert levels where I'm at. Uh, and Conor McGregor, he's uh He's he's known he's he's had this gimmick for a while, you know he's he's known for his mouth and he's known for his cockiness and bravado, uh, but you know is is this one is this one instance that it probably wasn't a good idea to do? Um, well, I think my my personal opinion is that uh, the hype hasn't been as strong for his upcoming fight with Nate Diaz, mm-hmm. and he just wanted to get attention and I think. You know, he, he made those comments uh, during a, a conference call. Uh, he saw how much traction that was getting, so he decided to double down and, and post that tweet. I don't think he means it. I think he's, you know, he's, you know, patterned, you know, he's name, name dropped Stone Cold in interviews before. He's uh, mm-hmm. clearly patterned himself after Ric Flair. So, um, yeah, I think he's just trolling to get attention, but um, it just, it, to me, it just seems kind of desperate. Um, yeah, you does. know, you're, you're just, you're, you're just trolling. You're just being like a, you know, a troll in the comment section where you're just yeah. trying to get a reaction as opposed to, you know, generating a legit interest, uh, you know, like talking about your opponent and talking about the fight and generating and finding a way to generate interest that way, as opposed to, you know, if I were to go out and, you know, just say, if I, if I went on Twitter and just ripped on Kevin Owens, for instance, cause he's got such a rabid fan following, it would I'd get a ton of you know I'd get a ton of reactions but it's just trolling it's not doing anything meaningful and right. I think that's what he was doing he's getting the wrong kind of uh, attention yeah 
Now, I mean, there's been talks throughout the year, you know, that, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey has always been, you know, target for WWE as far as acquiring her. But McGregor has been up there, too, as far as someone that the WWE could be interested in. Do you think that this may kind of change the mind of WWE as far as wanting to grab him? No. No. I think if there's money to be made, you know, they'll do it. I just don't, you know, you never know, I guess. He's he's just such a smaller guy. I just don't know if, you know, with Ronda Rousey, you know, she could – stand there with any of the the women in the company and uh-huh. and she's the same size or bigger um so i don't know i just i just don't know if that mcconnor is the right dynamic it'd be big box office if they could find the right angle it, yeah. even if he did like a special referee thing but um i don't I, I, yeah i i don't think it, it hurt anything if they if they wanted to do it i don't think you know if anything i think it it just makes vince and triple h a little more aware of connor Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, he may be a one-off thing for, like, Mania, similar to Floyd Mayweather and the Big Show. I, I can certainly see something like that. As far as just a, a wrestling career, I certainly don't see anything like that. But for some reason, Conor McGregor versus Finn Balor, it just sparks interest to me for some reason. I don't know why. I can't. I just can't see him. I just can't see the UFC allowing him to, to work a match uh, just with how big of a draw he is to them. You know, he, 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 him being on a pay-per-view can make a two, you know, 800,000 by difference. You Mm -hmm. know, last fight with Nate Diaz did like 1.5, 1.6 million buys, which is just insane. Um, So he's just way too valuable for, in my, that, you know, that I could think of to, to put him in, you know, with Lesnar doing UFC, it's a little different. He's very part-time. Um, but then, but WWE still took a risk. Uh, obviously they got compensated very well, but Connor on a pay-per-view, you know, you, you that's, you're talking $10 million, you know, at least, yeah. at least. Yeah. I mean, that's a very low number. I'm, I'm actually probably way under. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah. Joey Styles released from the WWE. Um, there hasn't been a, a definitive reason report reported yet, but uh, um, there's some there's some talks as far as just a, a Q and A that he had recently, um, basically saying that he's going to get fired um, after it. Um, you know, saying things as far as the not liking the Universal Championship and not liking the three man you know commentating team and. Uh, just as far as why Vince likes Roman Reigns, just kind of, you know, just just kind of a curtain call and kind of breaking that uh, fourth wall as far as um, some insider things uh, that probably the WWE didn't want him to share. Um, it seems like, for me, it seems like it was one of those things that I'm just going to, you know, spill my guts out because I know that they probably want to renew my contract. I mean, he got promoted to something like uh, SVP of digital media or marketing or something like that. Uh, But at the same time, it may have been, you know, we really don't have too much for you anymore. We're not going to renew your contract. And so I'm just going to go ahead and divulge whatever I can. I see. I don't think so. I thought, I still thought his pretty much of the answers that he gave were pretty safe. I didn't see anything in there. Um, 
you know, I recapped it uh, that day on, on WrestlingInc.com and, mm-hmm. you know, po- you know, posted everything he said, oh, this is going to get me fired. You know, Roman Reigns brings the moms to the crowd. Well, I don't think that's that bad. And, you know, with the universal title, he's like, well, you know, the fans on social media don't like it, but ultimately the, the name of the belt doesn't matter. You know, again, that's not mm-hmm. the, all, all that controversial. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, he kept putting over Vince McMahon and, you know, putting over PG and, and, uh, you know, he, I, I, he, he was, he, it was something when you listen to, you wouldn't think that someone would get fired over that. So, um, it it comes across as as petty, um, if that's what the reason is. Um, but yeah, I, I think, Maybe there's more to it. I don't think that Joey Styles would do, a, you know, a Facebook Q and A to try to get fired. You know, when he's been there with the company for so long, I think he'd just quit. Uh, he'd just leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think it was Dave Meltzer that was saying that uh, he's always kind of been, you know, kind of on the, you know, walking a fine line anyway. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe it would just annoyed them enough that this was this was it. Yeah, isn't that the reason? Isn't that one of the reasons why he got uh, pushed over to the website? Uh, because he was uh, very vocal as far as his announcing. Uh, I think he announced from, if I'm not mistaken, from 05 to 08. And wasn't he vocal about that and his uh, and Adam Lee? And I think, I mean, I heard this years and years ago. Uh, that was one of the reasons that he got pushed over to, to the website, if I'm not mistaken. I think they just didn't like his commentary. Um hmm. And, you know, he, he had heat. They would they would play little pranks on him. Um, but I, I remember thinking that they just, you know, that they weren't uh, fans of, of his commentary. Because hmm. I think he, he took the spot that they were trying to bring Mike Goldberg in for, um, right. if, I, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, I think ultimately it was just, you know, he, he has a um, – you know, it's funny what an uproar it caused when really no one's really seen him on TV for the longest time. You know what I mean? Like, right. fans are going crazy, <laughs> and he hasn't been uh, he hasn't even been on TV. He's been working like an office job. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Does he go back to announcing somewhere? Where? You know, that I guess that's the thing. There's not really that many places to go. Um you know, I, ROH, they've got their announcers. Lucha Underground, you know, their season's not, you know, their next season is coming up. But, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I, I guess you could do that. But, I, you know, I don't see how much they would offer them. Um, you know, New Japan is, you know, you know, they got JR and, and Josh Barnett for the, for the access show. I just, you know, again, TNA, I, I think, I think Joey Styles is smart enough to know that that's a big risk and right. it might not be worth it. So I just don't, I don't see him. Uh, I don't see it, but it, anything could happen. This is just my yeah. guess. I haven't, I haven't spoken with him or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, every now and then I catch the, um, the championship uh, wrestle was it well, championship wrestling from Florida or yeah. something like that. Yeah. CWHF. Or CW, yeah, CWFH, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Yeah, that's where uh, uh, Eli Drake came from. Uh, you know, every now and then I catch that on my TV. Uh, and then uh, I interviewed Jesse Sorensen um, 
and he was uh, promoting pretty heavy uh, Paragon Pro Wrestling. And I do see that on an app that there's like a fight app or something like that that you can get that for free. I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, it seemed like it's a pretty good upstart promotion, Paragon, and uh, maybe maybe that'd be maybe a good fit for him. I, I, it just it just seems as if he may want to announce. I think he's what like 45 now or something like that. So he's still got some years in him. Yeah, I just don't. Uh, I just don't see any place that would have a good full time gig. But it, you know, yeah. I can totally see him if he wants to do it for fun, for sure. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about uh, the final headline: is the thoughts of Dean Ambrose on the Stone Cold podcast. I'll I'll give you the honors to go first. Um, you know what? It it seemed like they their styles don't mesh. It, you know, I felt like. Uh, Ambrose didn't seem intimidated or starstruck or, you know, by Mm -hmm. Austin at all. Like, you know, I think a lot of the the younger guys, when they're on there, they show this extra level of respect to Austin because of who he is. Whereas, you know, Ambrose is just kind of, you know, his normal self, just kind of laid back. And, and, and then Austin, it was, it was just odd that Austin kept pushing the family stuff and, you know, uh, you know, his upbringing uh, when it was clear that Ambrose didn't really want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Ambrose would kind of snap back at him, like, where, what are you reading the internet? And just kind of being a smart ass, which I know, like, that probably got under Austin's skin. So there was like this, this tension kind of there. It's like, kind of, you know, the whole, the whole interview, you can kind of feel it. And, uh, you know, there's that one point where Austin was like, come on, let's put butts in the seat or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, wake up. And, and yeah. uh, I, I thought, uh, you know, the thing he said to, Ambrose at the end, I I thought that was kind of below the belt as far as challenging him to to you know uh, not rest on his laurels. I mean, this guy after he won the title, he was doing you know two shows per night and mm-hmm. flying to Hawaii and you know do, doing all these tours and it's just a very different place that Austin remembers. You know, mm-hmm. Austin was there when and he could do whatever he wanted. You know, now these guys are handcuffed and when you do try to you know do something outside the box. Uh, you see it all the time where guys will try to put something on YouTube or something. They get it pulled and uh, you know, they get heat for it and they get jobbed and put on superstar. So um, it's just a very, it's just a very different place. And I, I just thought that criticism seemed unfair. And Ambrose himself said, you know, he started off by saying he was offended by that and then kind of walked away from it and, you know, mm-hmm. thought better of it and, and let it lie. But it was a it was an interesting it was an interesting podcast. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I got a different take on it, maybe because I'm a uh, a psychology PhD student right now, and uh, I just you know analyze things from that vantage point. It just seems like Austin was. I mean, I respect Austin. I respect his passion uh, because when he was trying to poke him and push him and prod him. I think that that was good for Ambrose because, you know, it's one of those things for me, you know, Ambrose's ring work speaks for itself. I mean, when it was John Moxley, you know, when he was with CZW and, and all the indie promotions, Heartland Wrestling Association, you know, when he, when he was there, I've, I've watched many tapes of, of Moxley and it seems like there was more of a, a flair uh, from, from him when he was Moxley. It's, it, it kind of does seem like he's, gotten a bit stagnant to me i mean you know and i i 
I understand, you know, he talked about the scripted promos, and I, I agree with that. I, I interviewed Brad Maddox a few weeks back, and he was talking about how just about 100% of everything is, is scripted as far as promos are concerned. And, and, and basically, Ambrose was alluding to the same thing. He said now he's at a position where, you know, he has a little bit of say, and uh, and you know like you were saying there there is some some reins there there is there is some you know um, there is some room that's not there's not a lot of give there and and I do understand how that could be frustrating, but I understand Austin from an old school perspective because you know I I'm such an old school minded wrestling fan um, and it's just I can understand how Austin was just kind of getting a little irritated because when he was trying to, I mean, yeah, I mean, the family thing, you know, this isn't a counseling session. uh, So if he didn't want to talk about his family, you know, he, he, that wasn't necessary to keep going with that. But I think from, from what I saw and and just the fire and just the the questions that Austin was asking, he kind of saw be, he kind of saw beyond, it it seemed like to me, he kind of saw beyond the, yeah, I want to bring the chill vibes here and, you know, cut the crap. I mean, that's basically what it seemed like he was uh, approaching things for me. And that's what I saw. I mean, I saw that, come on, Dean. I mean, you're the, you're the world champion. You're the face of the company right now. And you're basically just, uh, this, this interview just seems so, you seem so in, uninterested. You seem so disconnected you don't you don't seem as if you even care and uh, you know that's what i can respect like for instance you know big show i think big show was a fantastic interview because he wasn't starstruck by austin it was just a matter of him appreciating the business to show it expressively you know and edge and christian was just funny as crap and page was a it was it was a throwaway interview for me but, you know, it just seems like when Dean Ambrose, it, I was just really cringing throughout the entire interview because I was waiting for Dean Ambrose to really just kind of to get out of just not seem like he don't care. There was a couple sparks, you know, when he was talking about the promos and cut the promo and when he was talking about Harley Race and Ric Flair. You know, those are a few things that you saw kind of sparked him a little bit. But it, I just don't think it's a good presentation. I mean, you have to think about it. And you know this, you know everything. Everything's a brand for WWE. When you when it goes to, when it comes to ambassador work, when it comes to work outside of the WWE, when it comes to the network shows, when it comes to the interviews, everything at the end of the day helps. It's it's supposed to help the WWE brand, and by having the top guy of your company just seeming like he just don't care about this. It just didn't seem like it was a very good presentation to me. I just think that's his per- personality. I just think that's his yeah. persona. You know, you you don't have Bray Wyatt on there, and all of a sudden he's this happy go lucky dude. You know, mm-hmm. that's just that's just how you know. I, I think it'd be weird if all of a sudden he's just a very uh, happy go lucky guy. I, you know, I just again, I just think it was just the wrong fit. Um, I don't know if you listened to Ambrose on Chris Jericho's podcast. But I thought that was great. Yeah, Yeah, I thought. But I thought that one was great. So you know, again, and it's not like his delivery was any different. Um, But I think you know a lot of it was Ambrose was talking about stuff he was interested in. You know, he's talking Mm -hmm. about 
how to make a good match. He was talking about how he loved the John Cena Brock Lesnar match from uh, from SummerSlam. And, uh, you, could, you know, it was just stuff that really interested him. And I think when he spent 20 minutes, you know, on stuff he didn't want to talk about, and he was tr- he, he, I think he was just trying to get out of it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah, you know, I just think it, it, just, it just wasn't the right fit. What do you think about him semi-shooting on Lesnar's laziness? I, well, I, th- I thought that was I thought that was interesting. That that took some uh, uh, some guts because you know Lesnar's obviously a very high on the totem pole. You know, the the thing with uh, Lesnar is you know I, I, I'm not sure when he was approached with the UFC 200 deal, but I'm sure like the initial questions and stuff had to have been around that time. Mm-hmm. So if he thought he's going to possibly be fighting again for a possible you know six to ten million dollar payday it's you can see why he doesn't want to do anything crazy um and they and lesnar's not really a a hardcore kind of wrestler guy you know he's um you know he'll have good matches and he's had a ton of good matches um you know that's that was another case i thought of their styles and stuff not gelling and yeah, the WrestleMania match sucked. It was it was weird watching it. It was like, what what did this accomplish? And uh, yeah. and you and it's it was great. I love that Ambrose was uh, open about it. That Lesnar really didn't I want agree. to do anything. Yeah, I agree. I I think I've been thinking that for a while, and I'm glad he said it. That was the highlight of the interview for me because I I've been agreeing with with that for a while. I mean, since he came back, I think it was 2012 that he came back. Um, right after WrestleMania, if I'm not mistaken. It was right after, what, Rock Austin 2. And it it just seemed, I can't, I can't other than Punk, Punk at SummerSlam, uh, was that 13 or 14 that uh, they went against each other? 2013 or 14 at SummerSlam. Um, that was a good match. And uh, Triple H uh, was okay. Taker was a bit lousy. Um, and then just uh, Dean Ambrose wasn't very good. Roman Reigns was good just because it was a story. It was kind of like a David and Goliath type of thing. That was actually that match actually surprised me. It was pretty good. But I can't really think of many, you know, marquee Brock Lesnar matches since he's returned. So I, I agree with uh, with Ambrose. I, I think he looks lazy. I mean, you know, yeah, he's – you know, a dozen years older than, you know, matches that he had against Angle that were that were excellent. Um, but at the same time, you know, just because you're older doesn't mean that, uh, you know, you have to become lazy. I mean, you know, Jericho's, uh, you know, he'll be 46 years old this year. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's still got it. He, he's, he's lost a few steps, but he can still he can still put it together in the ring. I mean, you have people who are the same age as, Brock Lesnar, you know, AJ Styles, you know, is, is the same age as Brock Lesnar. John Cena is the same age as Brock Lesnar. So, you know, all of, all of them can still go. So I don't, I don't think age matters really. Um, I just think that uh, his, his zeal for the, for the product and for the business has, has faded a lot. You know, again, I think it's, it's two, it was one match. Um, you know, if this is a, you know, an ongoing thing, then, then that's one thing, but his matches with Undertaker last year was great. Were great. So, uh, you know, I, I think we'll just have to kind of wait and see and see if, uh, you know, we'll see how the match with Randy Orton goes, but, um, you know, 
maybe it was just a maybe it was just a one time thing because he had the UFC fight coming up. Yeah, hopefully so. Um, I like I said, I agree with Ambrose, and 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 yeah, like you said, hopefully, hopefully we'll see different something different with uh, with Randy Orton. All right, real quick, Raw and SmackDown takeaway. <laughs> California, um, just trying to develop more of the, you know, feuds leading into SummerSlam. What were your takeaways from Raw, Raj? Uh, I thought it sucked, to be honest with you. <clears throat> I thought it felt like, uh, <clears throat> I said this on the, the wrestling podcast last night, it felt like a holiday episode. Like they just kind of gave in. They're just like, we'll just keep everything on cruise control. And uh, they, it was just like, they didn't even try. Um, it was hard to watch. I, I, and again, I think that the three hours just made it seem extra long. I think if it's two hours, it probably wouldn't have been that bad, but that extra hour just makes it seem so much longer. Yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly, man. I, you know, and, and I was, and I have a review, um, I have a view raw review as well. And I was, I was saying on Facebook live and I was just saying how much, just every week, it just seems like Raw just stretches. I mean, it's a painful stretch. And we see that so much, especially the past couple of weeks where you have a third of your roster away, you know, on SmackDown. It's became even more stretched. That's why you have so many so many uh, segments, talking segment, segments. I think it was like four last week. Uh, yesterday on Raw was like three. You had the end zone cast uh, uh, deal with with Jericho and Owens. That that was there were funny parts, but that was too long. Uh, you had the Rusev and Lana thing that was too long, and then you had the the ending with Foley and Brian that was too long. I mean, you just have all of these talking segments that that's not really. I mean. It's one of those things that you can take it or leave it. It's not really building much going on. I mean, Rusev and Lana did a little bit with with Reigns, and I, and I actually like the Roman Reigns and Rusev feud. I think that's I think it's good. I think it's a good way to to get him some steam and some some uh, some face pops uh, because you know Rusev is one of the only pure heels in the WWE. I say this all the time. I I, I appreciate Rusev's work. Tremendously, because you know him, Baron Corbin, Miz, those are those are only a few uh, pure heels that exist in the WWE anymore. So I, I like that. Um, Cesaro, Sheamus. I mean, it's just again, it, it's just what is that doing to anyone? The only thing that I can think would make some sense would be if they did some type of gimmick match at SummerSlam, maybe some type of tour out of Three Falls or something like that. Uh, and then Darren Young and Titus O'Neil. 
Darren Young seemed more of the heel last week. Titus did this week. Fifty-fifty booking. I just it, it it was it was really it it was painful to watch, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I didn't see much of anything come. And then Neville and Sin Cara defeating the Dudley Boys, and and it seemed as if they the Dudleys may split. I mean, did they not watch 2002 at all? And not just that, but you you hype a, a, a mystery partner, and it's Sin Cara. Sin Cara. And just yeah. announce it. Just say <laughs> Neville and Sin Cara against the Dudleys. Why make it a yeah. mystery partner when all you're doing is is setting up everybody for a letdown? Yeah. Uh, I I just thought it was bad from top to bottom. You know, I thought I thought Rusev was great. I think he's always great. He's really good on his feet. He's he's I think he's really witty, and mm-hmm. you know, if they can get him, if they got him to drop the anti-American thing. I, could, I think he could be a big baby face. I thought Roman uh, looked looser on the mic than he's ever looked. Um, oh, yeah. And I thought, I thought that I liked that segment. And I thought the, um, you know, I thought the Cesaro and Sheamus match as a match was really good, but there was no reason to care. There was like nothing right. on the line. You already saw a clean finish to it last week. I assumed that Sheamus was going to go over uh, just because that's how they do things. But I, and so I was happy that they, you know, they did that didn't happen. But yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just bad. And the ratings, I think, you know, they go, they've been against the Olympics before, uh, so it's not like uh, this is the first time. And and they just got crushed, you know, their their numbers. They did under three million viewers uh, yeah. for Monday show. Yeah, and it just seems as if. It, it seems as if WWE is kind of kind of bucking to that uh, to to those you know uh, um, to to those competitors so to speak when you have uh, you know football when you have uh, the Olympics and when you the, for, I was actually at the Fourth of July Raw and that Raw was painful it was just awful and it just seems like the WWE is kind of like ah okay well. Um, you know, we have a we have a certain amount of viewers that or probably watches regardless, but we don't really have a desire to to cater to anyone new this week. I I think that's not a good uh, a good way to approach new viewers. No, because football is going to hurt them more than the Olympics. So right, exactly, uh, or 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 have the same effect. So mm-hmm. if you're tapping out now, what are you going to do in the fall? I mean, we're exactly. we're you know we're a month away. Yep. Yep. So what about SmackDown? SmackDown, I thought was a lot better than Raw. Just I think again, it being two hours made it just didn't didn't seem as long. I mean, they were missing a lot of star power with you know all the uh, with Cena and AJ Styles and, and you know the Usos and Apollo Crews all all being on on the tour in New Zealand and Australia. Um, mm-hmm. But being two hours, you can stretch certain segments out. And uh, so I thought it, I thought it flowed better. I thought it was easier to watch. Um, and you know, again, I was never really bored during this episode. Um, the, the one thing I Randy Orton, that match, I, I just couldn't get into. Um, but other than that, you know, I thought it was, I, it, it was better uh, than raw, but it wasn't a great show or anything. I thought SmackDown last week was a lot better, but um, you know, I'd give it, you know, probably two and a half to three. Two two point seven five stars out of five. Man, you're you are a, a gentleman. I um <laughs> I'd probably give it about uh, a, mm, I'd say one and three quarters to two. Um, 
because it just seems like a it seems like the B show to me. I mean, like you said, I mean, you know, granted, uh, you know, in all fairness, uh, there were a, a chunk of quality talent out um, that is needed for a SummerSlam before, before you know, the, the second SummerSlam, the second SmackDown before the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. Um, but it just seemed like it was depleted. It just seemed like it was star depleted this week. And, you know, uh, I, 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 I did like this. Did you like it better than Raw? Um, yes, because I, did, I Raw was painful. I, I, I did like it better than Raw. I would say that. Um, I like the tag team thing. I do like that they're setting something up. It seems like we may have some type of, you know, four corners match or something like that at SummerSlam. Which, you know, matches like that are okay. I think they're they're important, you know, filler matches for for SummerSlam, especially since I'm a big fan of filler matches if it if it means something. I'm a huge fan of storylines, but if you want to throw a filler match because you, you know, because you can't develop or create, you know, in time, if you want to throw any match out there, some type of four corners tag team match will be okay to me. But, you know, what, what's going on with Becky Lynch? I mean, uh, she does, to me, she doesn't deserve what she's getting. I mean, just some type of, you know, the 50-50 booking with, with Natalia and, you know, just being, you know, the object of Alyssa Alexa Blisses and Eva Marie's, you know, push, you know, and Eva Marie deserves one of these. Dummy, dummy, yeah, yeah. I, I don't like Eva Marie's deal at all. Um, I, I, I can't do it. I just, I, her, her gimmick just seems as if there, it's just pushed. I think that uh, she came out of NXT too soon. I think that that would have been gold in NXT, but on SmackDown, I just I just don't see it. I like it better than her wrestling. <laughs> you know, is what right. they're doing. Uh, I just don't think. Look, not everyone has to be a wrestler. If you see a star there, you know, make her a valet or you know, find another role. Um, you know, Elizabeth never stepped in the ring, and she, you know, she was a very effective character. Paul like a Vicky Guerrero. Yeah, exactly. Um, so why force her to be something that she's not? And you know, she is a star. I mean, she's, you know, she's stunning. Um, but um, she's just not. A, she's just not a wrestler. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't see why, why they uh, are gung ho with going with it. Um, you know, Becky Lynch, I think it's just uh, a case of them not having enough women. They need to put her in a feud with someone that she can win because she should, if it were up to me, unless you're bringing up Bailey um, to SmackDown, she should be their top female star. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, we're only a few weeks in, but, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 they need to establish Alexa Bliss. I don't think they should have had her get beaten. Yeah, I mean, this was the first match. Uh, since the draft, first women's match because the uh, you mm-hmm. know the ones happened last week, so I definitely don't think you should beat Alexa Bliss, but you know I wouldn't have beat Becky either. Um, I agree. Yep. I, I, I don't. Who agree. else you got? They're they're a little thin on on the the women's side on SmackDown. Yeah, you had that segment a few weeks back where everybody came out. Uh, Naomi, where in the world has she been? I mean, what, what, she she came out for the interview and. 
just haven't really been relevant since. Um, and then Carmella, I'm, I, I like Carmella a lot, uh, but I think that they, again, you know, there's no, there was no buildup with Carmella. They just kind of threw her out there, kind of like Apollo Cruz, and just the fans re- reacted to their lack of buildup. I mean, there's when when Carmella comes out in NXT. They're so into it because they understand that she's, you know, she's a part of the uh, the Enzo and Cass gang. But to put her out by herself, I think that I think that was a horrible move, and I think that it's being reflected because the crowd just the crowd is not into Carmella, and it's sad because I really like Carmella. She has a ton of potential, but you're already throwing her in a very very bad spot, you know, having these the same type of promo walking promos as she did in NXT, but she didn't, she doesn't have a following for people to be engaged like NXT. Well, I think the problem, and you know, Vince Russo will talk about this a lot when he, uh, on our podcast is they, they assume way too many, either that way too many people uh, watch NXT Mm-hmm. Um, which if you were to assume that every U.S. network subscriber watches it, that's a million max, you know, and that's max. Uh, you know, Raw is doing, you know, three, around three million a week, uh, some, sometimes more. So right there, you got two thirds of your audience who don't know who these people are, at least. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think you're lucky if half the people with the network subscriptions watch NXT. Um, so you know, you should introduce these people better and not a one week vignette, but like over several weeks and build them up and, you know, do vignettes where you're showing their character. So they don't have to come out and like explain who they are. Um, and so I think, uh, yeah, they're bringing in a lot of new people, but, you know, give some of them, if, especially if you think they could be a difference maker, um, you know, give them a character, uh, give them vignettes and, and introduce them to the audience better. I feel like, Man, you know, I, that might hurt Finn Bal- Balor. I feel like Finn Balor is getting a little hurt right now because wow. he's, uh, he was out there cold. I could not agree with you more. I, I just, man, I've even mentioned that many times on my show. I mean, I even kind of broke down the numbers. I think I did that last week or the week before. I just, you know, you got three to three and a half, and that's, that's being generous, you know, on, on, you know, Watchers of Raw. And you have a million to, I think it's around a million four now or something like that as far as the subs for, for the network. And so you have Wait, about two million, you have a two million less people, you know, so basically there's two million people when you are, when you put someone automatically on from NXT on Raw with no build, the majority of people don't know who they are. You have a million and a half who do and two million you don't. And well, so, that million and a half, you're counting uh, national subs. So it, just exactly. U.S., it's probably even less than that. Exactly, exactly. And so even with that, like you said, and I've even said this before, even with that, there's a fraction of those people who don't watch NXT. So you can even say three-quarters of a million people watch NXT. And that's still, you know, like you said, two-thirds less you know, so, so you're already coming out introducing someone from the gate at a disadvantage. And and I've said this about Finn Balor. I am a huge fan of Finn Balor. I think he's great. I think that they're not developing his character enough. Why in the world 
would I be interested in someone who's the number one contender for the, the brand's world title if you're spending consecutive weeks telling me who he is? How is that a number one contender to me? I, I don't. They, they spent time with vignettes, you know, um, video packages last night, and then Rollins being in the ring with them last week. As far as letting people know who he is, why would he be a number one contender to me if you're still trying to develop him to convince me to say, okay, well, it takes it takes three weeks. I don't know who this guy is, but it's three weeks later. Okay, I, I know who he is enough. To, to be kind of interested, it just it just seems backwards to me. Yeah, and uh, you it uh, the the scary thing it is already seems like they're losing faith. They didn't you know have him come out in front of the live audience at all. Uh, he, the the way he was positioned in the promo with Seth Rollins last week, Seth Rollins got the better of him and just came off as the bigger star. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think they would have been better served to just have him you know, uh, at least just wrestle. Cause, uh, I don't know. I, I just think it seemed like a good idea at first, uh, that first week, the crowd was hot because, you know, it was an NXT crowd, you know, certain markets are, are, will have more NXT fans than others. And, um, and yeah, so I think, uh, uh it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, you know, what they do, cause they're going to have them come out, you know, with the demon gimmick. And if they beat them, you know, his first night bringing the demon gimmick. I think that really hurts him. Yeah. Uh, so they might just have to let him win. Eesh, that'll, that'll be rough. Five of the week coming up. It is now time for the flavor of the week. Five minutes. So uh, let's do a. We're we're continuing the. Uh, favorite match uh, SummerSlam series. So I would like to have Raj's favorite matches, uh, one uh, one per year from 2005 to 2010. So what's your favorite match of SummerSlam 2005? Oh gosh, that was uh, Hogan and Shawn Michaels, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's not your pick. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'll say this: it de- it depends. Um, you know, like. You know, there's so many things when you say a favorite match because, like, I loved Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant as a kid. It was just memorable. But the match itself, you know, sucked, you know, as far as an athletic wrestling match. Um, You know, I'd go with, oh, man, that's a, I mean, Mysterio and Eddie was good. Uh, You know what? I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Hulk and Sean because that one was memorable. It was interesting because Sean was so annoyed with Hulk in real life and yeah. <laughs> dealing with the politics. So it just really stands out in my mind. Whereas you know the other ones, I kind of have to really remember them. So yeah, the um, overselling from Shawn Michaels uh, was very funny, especially since we know this part of it. So. Yeah, yeah, but as far as uh, an Edge versus Matt Hardy was a cool match too. But uh, I'll, I'll go with Sean and Hulk just for the the comical uh, and historical significance. Yeah, Mysterio and Guerrero was for me. Um, I think that was a fantastic match. Two thousand six. Uh, uh, let's see. I think I'd probably go with. I think you got to go with the main event again with uh, Edge and Cena. Hmm. I chose uh, DX versus the McMahons because I, I like the storyline that uh, was built around that. It was pretty funny. 
Uh, yeah, I was annoyed. Stuff. I was annoyed with that storyline by that point. I, I thought DX <laughs> yeah. had just jumped the shark by that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could certainly see that. <laughs> uh, what do you have for 07? Uh, 07, I'd probably go with, uh, again, probably the main event with Cena and Orton. I thought mm-hmm. that was, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely better than uh, Batista and Great Kali. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. What, what, what'd you, I, I thought that 2007 was a very forgettable SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, I have Mysterio, too. If I'm not mistaken, um, Triple H and Mysterio both made returns that night. Uh, I have uh, Mysterio and Chavo because that, that's their actually second SummerSlam going against each other, second, second straight. Uh, Chavo got the win in 06, and then Mysterio returned. Uh, they did an injury angle and then beat Chavo in 07, so that was pretty good for me. All right, we've got like uh, 90 seconds. What do you have for 08? Uh, I'd go with Batista and Cena. I thought that was a, a cool match, clean ending, and uh, yeah, I, I, I like that one. Yeah, I've taken her edge, Hell in a Cell. I was a big fan of that match. Uh, 09. Oh, Jeez, I... Uh, I'm not even remembering 09. Uh, let me see here. Uh, CM Punk and Hardy, for sure. Ladder match. Uh, what TLC, I would think it was, yeah. Uh, DX versus Legacy to me, because I think that was a, a pretty fun match. It was a long match, so I think it was like 20 minutes long. Um, yeah. And then 2010. Jeez. <sighs> right, man, I'm going to have to skip on that one. I didn't like any of the matches on that show. I thought Nexus <laughs> versus Team WWE uh, was the the booking just was all wrong to where I could look oh, that yeah. much. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, Daniel Bryan's return I liked, but other than that, I just thought it was just too bad to 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 stand out as my favorite match. I agree that that match was not good. I went with Kane and Mysterio just because I just have a soft soft spot for Kane for some reason. I think he's so underutilized, and that was a good reign for him. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was a big fan of that. All right, Raj. So let us know where we can find you in all of your endeavors. All right, at RogerGary303 and at Wrestling Inc. And just hey, I'm constantly on WrestlingInc.com, so make sure to check it out. Awesome. Been a pleasure, Ross. Thanks for coming on the show tonight. All right, take care. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Raj Gary from WrestlingInc.com. Uh, so pleased for him to be a guest co-host on, on tonight. Thank you to Robbie E., uh, for being a part of the show. I uh, had a lot of uh, fun with him. And of, of course, ladies and gentlemen, this is 228 episodes of the Pancakes and Power Slam show. And of course, you can follow us at Crave Wrestling on Twitter and follow the Crave Wrestling Facebook page. It's Crave Wrestling. And again, next week, we'll have another interview. We'll have another guest co-host and we'll have some more fun uh, as it is the go home show before SummerSlam. Thank you so much for continuing to support the Pancakes and Power Slam show. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. This is Chris Featherstone, Crave Wrestling, signing off. God bless. Goodbye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.